hello and welcome to episode 10 of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking the double digits. We did it, guys. Raise the bat. 10 episodes. What a milestone. What a sp- I thought about doing a live podcast for this occasion, given just the weight of it. I thought this is something that the world needs to see happen in real time, but uh, couldn't get the logistics or the interest required for that. But here we are. We did it. We did it together. You and I together, but mostly me. 10 episodes. Close to five hours of rambling that exists on the internet from now until forever. What an achievement. What an accomplishment. And guys, I'm going to start off with something I rarely do on this podcast. And that's a red hot plug for myself. It's currently Thursday, the 21st of April. Two weeks from now. Two weeks from now is my Sydney Comedy Festival show, Ignorant. Taking place at the Factory Theatre Thursday and Friday night. I know I've brought this up to a lot of you who have been listening to this podcast, but I often leave it to the end. And look, chances are you're not listening by then. If you are, I appreciate it. For the rest of you, that's why I'm doing it now. Please come along. I have so many tickets to sell. They got, it's going all right. It's going better than I thought it would. But now, two weeks out, I'm pushing. I'm pushing hard. Tell your friends. Share them my videos. See if they want to come along to a night of live comedy. It's going to be awesome. I've got my good friend Sam Bowden opening up for me. He's going to be fantastic, but not better than me. I will make sure of that. If it means that I have to sabotage his microphone midway through his set, you better believe I'll do it. Because I want him to be, him to be good. But I don't want him to be that good. But he will be good. Don't you worry about that. You're going to have a fantastic time if you come along. So please, if you haven't bought tickets already, do buy tickets. Thursday night in particular could use some love. I think Friday night's going to be great though. And let's, uh, Look, if you want to come Friday, I think it's going to be a big night. I'm going to try and sell it out. 150 seats I've got to fill. I'm going to record the whole thing so I can make more clips and more content because that's what it's all about. So please, get on to I'll put a link in my bio. I'll put a link in the show notes if that's helpful. You can just search Tom Whitcomb tickets and it'll come up. Google is a phenomenal thing. And I would absolutely love to see you there. It would mean a lot to me. This is this is what comedy is all about. The Comedy Festival. Sydney Comedy Festival. The world's top 10 comedy festivals, maybe. I was just speaking to my friend who's in Melbourne and he, he's like talking about how you can't go anywhere in Melbourne without talking about the comedy festival right now. Everyone's talking about it. It's a big topic of conversation in Australia, in Sydney rather. No one has any idea that it even exists. What is that? Isn't it? Is it that thing that's on ABC2 once a year? Sort of. Yeah, sort of. For those of you tuning in via the video medium, and uh, hey, you guys can see the view counts. You know there's not many of you. It's, it, 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 that's, the, that's the very confronting thing about putting stuff on YouTube. You can't hide how little the interest is. At all. For all you know, this podcast is getting millions of downloads. But uh, I think we know that even isn't even slightly true. But if you are tuning into the video podcast via YouTube, and I would encourage you to do it, and if you are, please hit like and subscribe and all of that good business. I, no one's seeing this. I had, I've just created a specific channel for the podcast. And uh, you know, I was like, well, what's the difference between having 50 subscribers and having zero subscribers? It's pretty bleak. It's pretty stark, to be honest. Like, those 50 subscribers on my other YouTube, that, those were hard-earned. Uh, to start from scratch is humbling. But if you are watching the video version, you will see that I 
have a new haircut. Ladies and gentlemen, this is big news. This is, uh, uh, you know, this podcast wrote itself this week because this is, there's 27 minutes of content in this, 100%. A brand new haircut, new look. I've taken a lot off. I've had long hair for quite a while now, and it is, I could, I could, for the first time in several years, I could go to a private school, a boys' private school without breaking any of the rules. It's been a while. It's not touching the collar at all. This is, this is Knox Grammar School approved. I think you can't have long hair at Knox because from behind, uh, one of the school priests could mistake you for a girl, and we wouldn't want that. But no, not anymore, not any longer. This is short, and i got to tell you guys, don't like change. I am filled with anxiety by the idea of being slightly different. I can't begin to tell you in my youth how anxiety-inducing the first day back at school with a new haircut was. Because the rule at a private school is blend in. Private schools have uniforms to do us a service, to make sure you cannot be differentiated. Because if there's something different, you're going to fucking pay for it. And you deserve it. And look, I'll be honest, as much as I hated being the victim of it, I did love being the abuser. Oh, some guy forgets it's Mufti Day and wears his school uniform when we're all wearing jeans. Oh, my word. Someone's just earned themselves a nickname for the next 12 months at least. It's a, you, the margins at a private school are so small. There's a guy I went to school with who went on to captain the Melbourne Rebels professional rugby team. But when he was 16... He gave a speech at assembly and he meant to say on another note and instead he said on another noid. Guess who's noidy for the rest of his life? Nick Sturzaker. That's who. The noid. That is his nick that has been his nickname for over a decade. And in that time, he was a professional athlete in three countries. But he fucking got the word note wrong, didn't he? And he's never going to live that down. I don't care how close you get to playing for the Wallabies. It's not going to make up for that slip of the tongue you made once. And that was just, that's just a word. Could you imagine a bad haircut? Well, you're not going to have to imagine because I'll tell you about one. I remember I used to, I used to, I used to dread getting haircuts. I used to freak out about it. I never knew. I have this massive cowlick in my hair, so it always would do weird shit. I never really understood it. I never knew what it was meant to look like. I look... I, 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 there's a picture of me, my year 12 yearbook, where I got a shaved head because everyone else was doing it, and it seemed like a great idea at the time. Oh, my God. I look like... I look like a skinhead with learning disabilities. It's it's so unbecoming of me. I was I was I wasn't fat, but I was chubby too, and I had no posture. You could just tell how little faith I had in myself. It was it's it's not a good photo. Every now and then I said, "Oh God, I had so much potential. I could have been such a good-looking 17, 18 year old boy. I was not. I was oh. If I could take." the knowledge I had at 25 and apply it to myself at 18, I would have, I might have enjoyed 
my teens. Even that late, I could have made up for how miserable 14 to 17, 13 to 17 was with just a good year at 18 and 19. That could have been great, but no. No, 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 no. Because I still thought looking after yourself and caring about your physical appearance was for pussies. And look, there's a part of me that still believes that. But I went, I had a friend who was very style conscious and he had a very good hairdresser, he told me, I should go to them. And I, and I kind of like, I just told them I wanted it short, but I was like, do, do, do something, do something good, do something cool. I don't know. Just make me look attractive. And they missed the brief because I ended up with what I was instantly informed when I returned to school at 8.15 the next morning was a lad haircut. I still don't know what that meant. There were no slits in any of my eyebrows, and yet somehow I had... I, I, I Apparently, I was meant to just start wearing Nautica from then on. And then at least maybe someone would have, would have been afraid of me. I think at, the, at best I was getting pity at that stage. And that was when I said no more. I, I was like, I, 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 went for a, I went for a big look. The school said, what the fuck are you doing? No. Have you not? You've been at a private school for five years now. Have you not learned what happens when you try things? Stop trying. Unless it is sport, what are you doing trying for, you fucking loser? This is not a place to try stuff. This is a place to blend in. And you missed that. You haven't picked up on that, and you were gonna sa- you're going you're gonna to suffer for it. And this is for your own good. And it was. I internalized that. And from then on, I knew no more risk-taking when it comes to the way you look. From now on, when I saw a hairdresser, I would say, they'd say, well, what do you want? And I would say, well, can you give me something that's uh, attractive to girls but not to bullies? How, how, how can I stand out without being a target? Is that possible? And the answer is no. I'll have the same haircut as everybody else. Thank you. That is still so deeply embedded in me, that, that type of masculinity, that type of like, just fuck, just, just get in line. Just stay in line, keep your head down, and just constantly be on the lookout for the people who aren't. As soon as anyone falls out, Anyone else, as soon as anyone puts a foot wrong, you let everyone in the vicinity know about it immediately. You need to get on the front foot with this. As, as soon as someone takes a risk, oh, that's when you strike. Safety in numbers, blend in. And, and you know what's hard is, is suddenly, after 28 years of building this wall of defense, suddenly society just expects us just to tear it down. Just tear it down immediately. Open up. 28 years of closing yourself off and then all of a sudden, 2018 rolls around. Hey, hey, no, time to open up now. We've decided. It's time time to be frank with your emotions. Since when? Where did this come from? How was I ever meant to adapt this quickly? I was at a barbecue recently. And two of my friends were drinking non-alcoholic beers. And nobody said anything. I, I, I was like, guys, is, is no one else picking up on this? Are we, we're just going to let this happen. Are we? We're just going to allow this to take place. 
They're drinking Carlton Zeros. Neither of them have alcoholic fathers or drink driving arrests. What's happening? We're, we're just we're gonna let we're gonna just turn a blind eye. We, this this is fine now. I just, I I just don't get it. How do the rules change this quickly? The amount of friends that I have who will openly, without any shame, tell me they love me. What are you doing? We're not related. We're not fucking. Why would you say that to me? Are you tr- is this a pr- are you trying to make me uncomfortable? Is everyone else in on this? This I I feel like I'm being attacked. Am I being attacked? I grew up in an era where you said I love you to maximum eight people and seven of them needed to be biological relatives. They left one one left over for either a woman that you were sleeping with or that you really hoped to one day. And that was it. And even for the men in your family, once a year. Birthdays and surgeries, other than that, keep it to yourself. We all know. My family knows we love each other. That's why we never say it, because we are efficient. What a waste of calories that would be. We already know it. We know we love each other. No one's in any doubt about that. It's like when, it's like when a loved one dies after a big argument. People are like, oh, I can't believe the last thing I said. The last thing I said was, no, you're a cunt. They know. They weren't dying being like, oh, man, this whole, this whole time I didn't know they felt that way. Nah, they knew. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Move on. Just, just squash it. Just push it down. Push it way down. All right. With any luck, that stress will become a tumor and it'll all be over a little bit sooner. And you won't even have to worry about it. Do you ever think... Do you, do, you, do you ever think about all the, the good that would come from getting cancer? Not not like I'm I'm being I'm being macabre uh, about the death stuff, but the attention would be nice, wouldn't it? Don't you think? Do you ever? Does it? Am I the only one that ever fantasizes about telling, like telling work? Mm. I'm at a stage at work right now where I have to do quite a few jobs I really don't want to do, and not just to the extent that I usually bitch about my work, but just a few things. Where I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do this. I really don't care. It seems like a lot of hard work. I'd, I'd rather just give this a miss. And I can't say that now, but oh, if I found a lump, just try and stop me. What's imagine the sympathy, the empathy, the you're so strong, you're so brave. Even if you don't fight, people will call you brave. I think I'd fight. I think I'd beat it. I think. I mean, sure, I've never had to overcome any adversity in my life ever before, but this time, I reckon I got it. I reckon I can put that away. Friends who say they love you over the phone, flippantly, at the end of a conversation. It's like, dude, we've hung out like six times. I like you. I've only felt love for like five people before. The rest of it is just like, it's just, a, it's just lazy vocabulary. I think they're just using love because they can't be bothered to find the real word that they feel, which is like stronger than like. I admire you. 
I appreciate appreciate's pretty good. Appreciate's probably where 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 I draw the line. I appreciate a lot of people. I love four. Four and a dog. That'll do. Last week I spent a lot of time bitching about a family holiday I'd have to go on. Oh. Guess how that turned out? It was delightful. It was lovely. Of course it was. Of course it was. Spent the whole week dreading it. End of the day. Fine. Totally fine. Went to a uh, big family barbecue on my partner's side. Um, something about uh, the Catholic side of her family insist on kissing me on the lips. Very disconcerting. Don't like that at all. Not a fan. Uh, they are from the Gold Coast. There was a, It was a huge family affair. Four generations of family there. Uh, you know, And every single one of them had ear piercings. Because why not? Because just because... You can't speak any words yet. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be blinging. Just because you can't stand on your own two feet doesn't mean we shouldn't start poking holes in you physically and emotionally. A lot of use at this family barbecue. A lot of use, if you know what I mean. And I'm not talking about the non-binary. I'm talking about... The non-grammatically informed, and they know what they're doing. They they know they know they know what the rule really is. Just willingly disobeying the English language, but that's fine. And I did have one moment which I which I really formed a bond between myself and and one of my partner's family members, which was uh, I was talking to her. I was talking to her uncle, who was in an uncle. You know those people. Where somehow they've, they've, somehow they have just commandeered a family title without any blood relation whatsoever. One of the, this guy, his name was Frog, by the way. No one knows why. But Frog was there. And uh, I tried to ask, like, so what's his relationship to the family? No one could tell me. No, no one had the slightest idea what Frog was doing there or why. In fact, no one had ever seemed to even question it. I feel like Frog just walked in off the street 35 years ago and never left. But I'm talking to Frog, and uh, Frog is giving me the, uh, the good old jovial yet intimidating uncle move. Putting an arm around me and going, hey, this girl, pointing at his non-niece, this, this girl who he has no relation to whatsoever, but somehow still has ownership over. That girl over there, she's a good girl, right? You look after her. You take care of her, all right? And I, and I turned to him and I said, all what, cunt? <laughs> no, I, I nodded along politely because uh, that's uh, the kind of guy I am. And he goes, you look after her. And then her cousin... Her cousin, my, my girlfriend's cousin, who is her age, wanders past goes, oh, fuck, we're doing that now, are we? So good. Just, that's exactly what that situation needed. Just someone to take a step back and be like, hey, who are you? As if I was going to treat my girlfriend any differently because of a word of wisdom and some slight intimidation by a 60-year-old man named Frog. What? What kind of man would I be? What kind of man would my partner have chosen to be with if I let that have a significant impact on my choices in life? 
Unbelievable. I met another guy called Sid who then insisted his name was Tiges and then everyone else laughed, which makes me think he is not Tiges and somehow I was the dickhead in the situation. Don't understand how that happened. It's possible that actually wasn't what was happening. I was just very self-conscious. But it felt like they were laughing at me and I didn't like it. And uh, Sid was the, like, the, the least healthy man I've seen in my entire life. Sid was a shade of grey that should only exist on colour swatches. It didn't make any sense. He, it was not a good look. Sid looked, like, Sid looked like on Easter Sunday he had risen from the dead. Uh, and then uh, Beatty's uncle Paul, whose name is Bert. Again, no explanation. Something happens after you turn 60, where all the context just disappears. You just forget everything that happened before the age of 30 and just take it as fact as whatever's happened, happened. Let's move on. Let's go fishing. I hope you're having fun. I'm enjoying this episode. I'm trying to keep things light, kind of trying to keep things loose, trying to have a good time. I feel like the best episodes have been the ones where I've been able to do that. So, uh, you know what? Let me know. Keep, keep me posted. A few people have been, you know... I will say this, though. You know, I didn't upload the episode in time this week because I forgot to check the right box on the podcast platform. Uh, no one said anything. I didn't get a single... It took a good, like, 12 hours for one person to be like, hey, you didn't do an episode this week, huh? I was like, What? Well, it's not, it's, not, it's not on the platform. None of you cared. None, none of you were... Like, you guys logged into your podcast app on the day that this comes out, and you went, oh, no new episode this week, huh? Yeah. Yeah, fair call. Probably a good call. It's good that he's, it's good that he's found a different use for it that half hour each week because this was a waste of time. Hey, if you like it, let me know. All right, this is just for you fuckers, all right? I'm doing this for the enjoyment of 45 people. I'm aware of that, and I'm okay with it because the 45 of you, I know I did the whole thing about, you know, the new listeners matter more. No, the 45 of you, you're the ones that this is this is what it's for. I'm, I'm under no false stress. I don't think I'm going to... Is that even a phrase? I should have just glided over it. No one would have questioned it. I'm under no misconceptions. I don't think I'm going to log in one day and suddenly have 100,000 listens on one of these podcasts. But if you enjoy it, let me know. A few of you do. A few of you send me a message from time to time. I do appreciate it. It means a lot. Last night, I uh, I attended the uh, Magic Mike fifth birthday show. Magic Mike being a comedy show in Sydney, Wednesday nights at the Potts Point Hotel run by Anthony Chills Skinner, uh, one of the most puzzling men I've ever met. He's a... F- oh. This guy has done so many drugs. It's just like from the age of 15 up, just professional levels. His body has just it just seen so much internal violence with the amount of chemicals he subjected it to. But it's created a fairly special individual who has um, become one of the... the key figures in this kind of semi-professional comedy scene in Sydney. Like, he runs five comedy nights. They're all great. Monday night at Harry's in uh, Surrey Hills. Wednesday night at Potts Point Hotel. Uh, Friday, Saturday night at... Um, Friday, Saturday night at Kinsella's in, uh, in, on Oxford Street. And then he also helps out with Neil Dan and Friends on a Thursday night at the Potts Point Hotel. He's killing it. And it all started five years ago. The first gig I ever did in stand-up was at one of his rooms was Magic Mike, and 
I, I'm so familiar with it now, I have to remind myself what a stupid fucking name that is for a stand-up. Like, the idea of being a straight white man starting a comedy show and calling it Magic Mike. Remember, this is five years ago when those movies were fresh. I think that was before the sequel. The amount of people I tell, what are you doing? What, what gig are you doing? I say, Magic Mike. And they're like, <laughs> oh, you're serious. That's, act- that's actually the name. Yeah. Yeah, no one there looks like Matthew McConaughey at all. Um, they look like Channing Tatum in his more relatable roles. Uh, but I started there. My good friend, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, I think his brother Andy does. My good friend Matt, Matt Fenn came along to support and I went and I did, it was, a, it was an open mic comedy showcase, 20 acts doing four minutes each and I went and I, and I, I did fine but I thought I did great and uh, Magic Mike kind of became my sort of like little comedy home for a little while. I think my friend Anthony puts it really well that it feels like playing at home ground. It feels like a home ground advantage when we play there. It just feels like it, it's, it, it's a room I feel so comfortable and it feels so natural, and I just I love it there. I really love it, and I would I would suggest if you if you like comedy, and you haven't been already, Magic Mike on a Wednesday night at the Potts Point Hotel. It's always great. One of the best, hands down, one of the best rooms in Sydney. I think for a little while there, especially during lockdown, it was oh, during COVID at least. It was the best room in Sydney. I I don't have any doubt about that. But so we were celebrating the the fifth birthday, and uh, it was it was an awesome night, and I did well. I went second last. I did. I did. Re, I did really well, but also, uh, so did everyone else. So who gives a shit? You know, I mean, good for the crowd, but for me, when everyone does well, what's the, what's the point? What, what? Why are we? Why are we there? There's no losers tonight. Nobody. We're not going to go away and talk shit about anyone tonight that was in the room. What's? Does that? Does it? Does, do you see? the disconnect there, how that doesn't really ring my bell. I, I don't don't really get it. Um, but look, you know, it didn't stop me from... I, I enjoyed my time up there before I got to reflect on the fact that I, I, I wasn't special, which I know is, a, is an uncomfortable feeling. I wouldn't recommend it. Don't, don't put yourself in the situation where you have to reflect on just how similar you are to everyone else. That's, that's not a good place. Ugh. We're all one. We're all the same. <laughs> no, you, you're all the same. I'm different. All right, I'm, I, keep in mind, I'm the main character in this story. First-person perspective. This is my tale. You're all background. Ca- you're all extras. You're all replaceable. But uh, <laughs> apart from you guys listening to the podcast, of course. Um, but, I, you know, I was happy. And then Alex Malinkovich went up afterwards and crushed so hard it hurt my feelings. Just fucking annihilated and just, oh. There's nothing worse than seeing your friends succeed. If, if, if someone has to succeed, let it be some anonymous person. I can tell myself some story about how they, you know, they're just not, they're not, you know, you can't compare yourself to them. They, they, they came from, from a different background. You, you don't know. No, you don't want it to be someone who you can see as mortal. I don't, I don't like that at all. Just, just it's so good. I watched my friend, my friend, uh, I'll say his name. I watched Elliot. Elliot already left in the middle of his set. Left in the middle of Alex's set to go have a cigarette. And I talked to him afterwards. I'm like, man, that was just crazy. I, I said exactly that. I said, hey, man, Alex crushed so hard it hurt my feelings. And he was like, yeah, I was watching that. I was like, I don't need to fucking see this. 
He was like, he's so funny. I don't want, I don't want any part of it. And went outside. I should have, I would have taken. In that moment, I would have taken up smoking just for an excuse to not be there anymore. It was so good. It was so annoyingly good. Fuck that guy. Ugh. And that's when I decided I need to start working even harder than I'm already working because uh, I could be in a situation where one of my friends succeeds and I don't. And oh God, oh, just I, I just shudder thinking about that. Yuck. I got to start surrounding myself with more losers. I got to. I got to. I've spent. I've too much time. I spend around people who are really trying, and it's making me try, and I don't like it. Trying is not. This is. I've said this at the start. Trying. I was not brought up to try. I was brought up to be handed things, and I've been enjoying that very much so far. I thank you very much. I'm, I. I don't want to flip the script that this late in the game. Just give it to me. Just give me give me the success. Give, you know what I would give to have been born 10 years earlier with straight white men just got handed everything? You know there are jobs now that statistically are more difficult for straight white men to get? I mean, talk about unprecedented times. We're, we're, we're living in a situation my people have never had to face. And worse than that, we have 10,000 years of complacency where we didn't need to overcome anything. Where is this skill going to come from now? You see all these like young black guys, or young gay guys, and it's like, well, they've spent their whole life fighting against people's perceptions and fighting against systems that weren't meant for them. And now they have this resolute strength to overcome anything. I don't have that, okay? I, didn't, I, never, I never needed it. How am I meant to do it now? Why is no one talking about this? Why is no one? This is why I had to start this podcast, to share the plight of the straight white man. I mean, let alone the straight white upper middle class man, um, which was the uh, initial title for this podcast. Well, that's half an hour. Would you look at that? Hasn't it flown by? Hasn't it been good? I'm going to give you one last thing because I think I've spent a lot of time just like recounting my week, which I don't know. I just don't know if that's really what the point of this podcast is, but uh, hey, I'm enjoying it. I need to keep track of that. i got to tell you, I've, I think I've brought this up before, but sometimes I end a podcast and the, the, the dread, the feeling of dread of like, oh my God, what did you just do? It was half an hour, half an hour, plus half an hour set up, plus you have to edit it. Why? Why, did you, why do you do this to yourself? I don't understand. So the more that I can enjoy it, the better. The other thing that I am incredibly self-conscious about is I'm expecting a delivery from Australia Post any minute now and I'm... I force my girlfriend to leave the house when I record this. It's so self-conscious. Hear the birds out there? Isn't that sweet? Isn't that nice? I let the window open this time. Hmm. If OzPost comes and hears me ranting like, oh, God, yuck. I know a lot of people really bitch about straight white men starting podcasts because they think their opinion is worthwhile. And guys, trust me, no one is less comfortable about the concept of this than I am. I don't feel good about this either, but here we are. Playing the hand I've been dealt. <clears throat> the last thing I wanted to talk about, and this might go nowhere. I haven't really spent a whole lot of time thinking about this. I don't know if you guys saw this. I'm a big NRL fan. Love the footy. Love a bit of footy. I do. Even though it is not intended for my demographic, there's nothing working class about me. But 
when I was a young boy growing up, this is how I made connections with all the gardeners and the pool boys that came to our house. And uh, it just kind of, it, it lives in me now. It's, it's a part of me. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw this, a guy a couple of weeks ago during a game, uh, <laughs> one of the opposing players was lying down. He was, uh, he'd, he'd been hit hard and he was, uh, he was lying down to, to try and earn a penalty, to try and get the referee to look at the, look at the tackle, see if it was illegal and give him a penalty. And obviously that's uh, pretty frowned upon in the man's man's game that is rugby league. And uh, one of his opponents told him to get up, you F word, and it wasn't fuck. Oh, if it were a fuck, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But no, it was the other one. Who'd have known the F word would get more severe with time? But it has. And I think we can all agree, like it's a... <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a word we need to do away with. A friend of mine got dared to say it on stage recently, and he did. And I remember when he did it, I was like, what? I didn't think – it surprised me. I'm so not used to hearing that word anymore. And I was talking to him afterwards, and I was like, yeah, I noticed he said that. And he's like, oh, yeah, a friend of mine in the crowd, he, he, he said, you can't say that word anymore. And I was like <laughs> – my mate goes, well, you can't say it. I can say it. So he said he was dared. He actually fucking just dared himself out of nowhere. It's <laughs> really, hey man, you can't say that word anymore. Yeah, I can. Do you dare me? No, no, no. I was saying quietly. I was saying quite the opposite. Don't say it. Oh, f- you'll fucking say. You wait. <laughs> but um, it's it, it like it's. I think we're all so we're, we're we've all got we're all on board. We're all on board. That's a word you don't say. We're it's out. It's we've gone. I think we, we we the jury's out on retard. We might be coming back to that. But the f word, the n word, we're all in agreement. Can't say it. Can't say it. Too much of a history. Got to go. But this NRL player has used it in real time. It's been caught up by one of the stadium microphones. The NRL has followed up on it. The guy ends up coming clean. He comes to the NRL and says, hey, hey, I know you know. Someone said it. It was me. It was the heat of the moment. Um, I, I, I apologize. I know it was wrong. They gave him a four-week suspension. They gave, they gave him a four-week suspension for... <laughs> for using a, a homophobic slur. And look, on the one hand, there need to be consequences for this stuff. He, he can't just do that and, and us turn a blind eye and move on. On the other hand, four weeks. I've, I've seen tackles that have hit people in the head so hard the players have forgotten the names of his children. I, I have seen rugby league incidents that have taken years off people's lives that got less punishment. Like 10 years ago, domestic violence was a one-week offence in the NRL. And suddenly, we're trying to tell these working-class 22-year-olds not to speak the way that all of their friends speak. <laughs> Don't be wrong. We should, we, should, we should be holding them to a high standard. But fuck me. The NRL has really turned it around, hasn't they? Have, hasn't they? Man, I can't talk about NRL without losing any sense of understanding of English grammar. <laughs> I just... Four weeks for, for the most violent game. The only thing more dangerous than being an NRL player at this stage is marrying one. And yet, if he, in the heat of passion, uses a word that you haven't been able to say for like a decade, and before then, it was fucking open slather. You, the, you could have said the F word on the block in a particularly intense episode in 2012. You can't say it anymore, but... Oh, I can't believe someone has said the F word and, and I'm, and that my dominant response is sympathy. 
I've, I, I almost feel sorry for him. But hey, look, won't happen again. If it's four weeks for the F word, how many for the N word? That's, that's the big question. I want to see they have the NRL. The NRL have established standards for how long a ban is for different things. So a head-eye tackle of various grades, uh, you know, a dangerous tackle around the legs, uh, a late tackle, you know, one week, two week, three weeks. I want to see it for racial slurs and epithets. How many, how, how many weeks do you get off for calling someone a gypsy? I want to know. Can, if, if, if you're, what if you say, what if your teammate drops a ball cold and you call him a retard? Do you get a week off? Or is it just the F word? The N word's got to be six at least. Six to eight. At, at least. At least six to eight weeks for the N word. If, if the F word is four, what can, you, what can you call them? What can you get away with? I mean, there are no, unfortunately, like, there are only about three races that you could slur in the NRL. There are, there are no, I don't think there's, is there, a, uh, there are a couple of, like, semi, like at least partly Asian players. There's, there's probably a few there as well. Oh. I'm going to see that spreadsheet. I want the NRL to make a ruling. It's good. And I want, and there can't be, there can't be any gray area. All right. So I don't want to see N asterisk, 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 asterisk. I want to see the word on a legal document that tells me exactly in no uncertain terms, how long off, how many games are you missing for that one? We've set a precedent. We need to live up to it. And guys, with that, let's bring it close to yet another installment of the Show Some Respect Tom Woodcombe's Talking Podcast. Hey, just a little reminder of all the little things I told you to do before. Number one, buy tickets to my comedy festival show. Please come. It'll be great. Honestly, best hour of stand-up that I've produced. Some of the best material. I think it's going to be great. Number two, subscribe on YouTube. Watch it. Like, guys, I got a new haircut. You don't want to see this? You're not going to... You're not going to see... I mean, I, I know I know most of you personally. We're going to see each other in person soon. But until then, check out the visual medium. Number three, petition the NRL to take out the gray area and establish how long do you get for each of the big words? I want to know. Also, we haven't had a, spodca- uh, haven't had a podcast sponsor for a long time. So if you got like nine bucks, just... Let us know. You, you, you'll be all over this thing. Until next time, guys. Thank you for listening. I've been Tom Whitcomb. You've been showing some respect because Tom Whitcomb has been talking. Have a great week.